Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. So this morning I want to reiterate what Josh said, and that is to just thank all of our uh, volunteers. You saw faces of our coordinators. Each one of those is over a, an area of ministry, and we're thankful for them and all that they do. And But I'm thankful for all of our volunteers, and you've seen some of their faces today. Uh, could we just give them one more hand? All of you that volunteer, maybe you're clapping for those around you, but thank you for what you do, and we're so glad that you do that. I also want to say, and I'm going to say it a couple ways today, I want to thank the Lord for giving you to us as a, as a church body. The fact that, that I know that when people come and that God has brought them here, that there's a reason for that, that he has uh, put them here to help our church be what it's called to be and to do what it's called to do. And so I'm thankful that you're here, and I'm thankful that you be a part of that and by using what God has given you. So thank you for doing that. So again, thank you for being here this morning. If you're watching us online, so glad that you've joined us, and we're looking forward to what God's going to say to us. Uh, part of the thing, if you are, are interested, is you go through this uh, today and you see some areas where God may use you, you can go to any one of those coordinators. They'll be glad to uh, help you, assist you to find just the place that God has in mind for you to serve. And here's how we're going to look at it today. We've been talking about a word called transformed, right? That's the word that we've been looking at for the last few weeks. And it, actually what we're doing, we're taking those last five chapters of the book of Romans, and we're kind of walking through those and, and learning what God has for us. Um, and we find it from this verse, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, kind of the key that we jump off from. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, that's a great promise that he gives about knowing God's will um, if you've been in church a while, I'm sure you've heard that phrase, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Uh, honestly, a lot of times when we hear that, uh, we're thinking of in the ways of uh, a decision we have to make. I, I want to know what God's will is in this or direction for my life. All that's very important, but I think we're going to find this as it leads us into the following chapters is seeing the, the idea of God's will as being the way that he views life, as he views the world. Maybe you've heard the term a biblical worldview. What we're talking about is a, a view of life and the world as God sees it. And so what he, we will be able to do is to see the life the way God wants us to see it from his perspective, to see the things that he wants us to see in it and to find that fulfillment. That's the promise, but how do we get it? Well, we go back to that, that phrase, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's our key. Let's talk about those words one more time. Transformed. Uh, metamorphosis is the word. You know, the caterpillar to butterfly, the tadpole to frog, right? That whole idea of something uh, changing into a, something that you would not have recognized earlier, right? A, a complete transformation, transfiguration. That's the word transformed. And God is doing that in the lives of his followers, but he, he says our part in that is to be renewed in your mind, to have a, a consistent renewing of your mind. And the word renew, we sometimes think of it as refresh, but it's very uh, specifically, it means to uh, renovate. We might even say remodel, to keep, to change things. It's an ongoing process of change that needs to happen in our life as we're going toward that transformation that God is doing for us. I, my mom used to tell me, and 
I don't know if it was her dad, because I never got to meet my grandpa on that side, or if it was a relative, but she talked about how they, they, their dad was a carpenter, and so they never lived in a finished house. You understand carpenters, right? When there's always a, something to improve. There's always sawdust somewhere because there's something you need to fix. And she said, and by the time they got uh, almost done, then it was either time to start over again and remodel it again, or it's time to sell that one and move on to the next project. They just never lived in a finished house. Some of you might recognize this idea of renovate by every morning when I open my computer, almost every morning, it seems like in the corner it says, update now available. And you need to update your computer. You know, it's this constant idea that there is uh, something better, something that's helping you. Understand, that's that word, that there's a constant renewing. That as we're living in, the, in this world, in order not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, we're going to have to have an ongoing renovation, ongoing uh, renewing of our minds so that we begin to see that transformation that God has for us. So that's what we're looking at. These next seven, several chapters about being transformed, renewing our mind in different areas that God is going to show us. If you were here last Sunday, here's what we talked about. Transformed by renewing our minds in worship. Getting a better idea of what God means. When we say worship, we have our pictures and usually it involves singing or some kind of religious activity. And some of that is involved with it, but we find the real key to worship is what he says as we give our bodies, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, our, our lives to God. We, we put our lives at his disposal. We, give, we, we have all these keys to the rooms of our life, and we hand him all the keys and say, you do what you want to. That's worship. That's the idea that we're talking about, renewing our minds. So today, we're going to talk about renewing our minds in the area of serving Serving is not a word that we use often in life nowadays, but it is a word that we use in church quite a bit, and it's a word very specific in Scripture, a word that I, I think carries with it so much that God wants us to understand. That's why even today we're highlighting what we would refer to as ministers, servants within our church, volunteers, coordinators, those who help to serve within the body because it's, it's that important that those who are followers of Christ understand that he also has called us to serve. But the sad truth is, statistics tell us that there are many who claim to be followers of Christ, maybe even are regular attenders in a church, and yet haven't yet truly plugged into serving. I mean, the stats go something like this, and you can take or leave it, but it kind of an 80-20 percentage, 80% of the work done by 20% of the people. Now you say, well, that happens in all business, and maybe it does, but it seems like in God's service that things should be different, that something should be tweaked, and my answer is I think we have to have a renewal of our mind to understand what God means to us when he talks about serving. And so we're going to look at how Paul describes that. So we're in Romans chapter 12. We just talked about knowing God's perfect will for our lives and seeing life from his perspective. Here's the very next phrase, verse chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. As we kind of launch into this, this thinking, even beyond today, but we'll start with 
today. There's a couple of things that jump off uh, the page for me. If, did you notice immediately that, that connection of renewing your mind? Because he said, if, if you notice what he said, do not think of yourself, right? There's that word think. But then he goes on to say, but rather think of yourself. So he's connected. We need a renewing of our mind. And all of it comes back to the, how are you thinking about this? So do not think or do think. That's important. But if you also go back to that, the phraseology he uses in there, he's talking about this thinking, this renewing. It's not just you by yourself. He's including it in a, in a connection with other believers, with other followers of Christ. Look at some of the words he uses. He says, to every one of you. He also says, to each of you. So he's talking, there's a, there's a, a gathering, a congregation here. Uh, he says, one, but many members, one body, many members. Or though many, you have one body. And then the last phrase is, to all the others. He's talking about this idea of how you're going to renew your mind is going to happen within the environment, the context of your relationships with others who are also followers of Christ. And I think you're going to see that follow its way all the way through these last five chapters of Romans 12. So here's a couple of observations that we'll kind of tap on as we go through these next several weeks. Here's the first one, and it would say this. We live out this transformed life we're talking about in community. It's about being with others who are following Christ. We say it often around here. It's kind of a cliche, but I'll say it again, and that is there is never meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. You were never meant to do the Christian life by yourself. It, we, were, we were designed to, to be able to work together, right? It's, it's the idea of being transformed is seeing our lives change with other transformers, with others around us. There's, there's a dynamic there that God has. In fact, my second thought would be this, because I cannot fully renew my mind without the help of other believers. Now, you may not have... have bought into that yet, but it's the truth. Your spiritual maturity will not be what it could be if you're doing it by yourself. We need the connection with other believers. We need this, the, the interaction with others. And we're going to see that's exactly how Paul talks about this transformed life happens within the environment, the, the atmosphere of other believers. So let's start walking through these verses for today. Go back to verse 3, that opening phrase where Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, let, let me stop there. There's a couple things that are, are notable about that phrase. Even that the little two words, I say, it's a difference in the way Paul's talking. The first verse, if you were here last week, we talked about, he said, I urge you, I beg you, I plead of you to do this, right? Um, and, and that's a, a great way of looking at it. He was going off to the mercies of God. Here, the, the tone's a little different. That phrase, I say, is more authoritative. Paul is now saying, based on, and he uses a phrase, the grace that is given to me, I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. That phrase, the grace given to me, may not mean much to you, but it's something that Paul has repeats often in his writings. For instance, Romans 1.5, he said, through Jesus we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience. And then he repeats something like that in Romans 15 when he says, the grace of God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. When he says that grace given to me, he's talking about there is a role, there is a function that God has enabled me to do, to be a part of his work. This is what I'm, and, and his part was, I'm called to be an apostle. 
And, and that being apostle, specifically, not just to anyone, but to the Gentiles. God is sending me to send the good news. That's my role. That's my function within the body. And he says, now, based off that, as an apostle, I'm telling you, this is what you need to learn. This is what you need to do. Paul was very confident, and this is how God had made him, and this is what he was to do. Now he's going to tell this church, and he's going to tell us, so here's what you need to do with your life. And I'll, I'll start it with this way. Renew your mind through honest evaluation. We start with the thinking part and evaluating who you are, who you are in Christ, who you are in your abilities, who you are within the work that God has for you. Let's be honest. All of us, in some ways, are kind of constantly evaluating ourselves. I mean, we may not say it that way. It may not be on a piece of paper, but we're we're often looking at, at what we're doing and is it, does it match where it should be? We're evaluating. He says, that's important. Yes, evaluation, self-assessment is critical, but it's important that you're looking at the right measure of assessment. If you're looking at it by a renewed mind, that's one thing. But if you're looking at it according to the pattern of the world, you're going to get the wrong calculation about who you are. For instance, the world, if you were to go by the pattern of what the world says you are and who you are, they're going to give you the measuring usually of comparing yourself to somebody else. That the world's pattern is I assess myself by am I better than someone or am I not as good as someone else? That's kind of the world standard. That's the wrong way of assessing. Or maybe it's just a, the measuring stick that they use says, if you can jump these hoops, if you can do these things, this is success. This is fulfillment. This is happiness. This is the world's measurement. And God says, but I have a different measurement for you. And that measurement has to be, uh, is about how I made you. It's about what I have put in your life. It's about who you are in me, and it's about how I've connected you with others. You look in that context, and you be begin to be able to evaluate the way God has designed. Look at verse 3 again. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with, with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you, our evaluation. It's within the relationships of, that each of us have. And, it, and it's discernible, he says, in accordance or measured by the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So take an honest evaluation, and your measuring stick is the faith that God has given you. What does he mean by that? What's the faith that God has given you? Well, there's a couple of ways we can look at it. I think both have their validity. One would be just the faith that we have in Christ, common faith that we share in Jesus Christ, the fact that, that we are in, in the work because of that we have put our faith in him, that we're, we, we know that he is our father through Jesus Christ. For instance, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, it is for by grace that we are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. God has given you opportunity to know salvation, to know eternal life, and it's not something you earn. It's, some, it's a gift of his grace, and it comes through faith, through believing in what Jesus did for you. And we're going to ask this question pretty much uh, throughout every message, and that is, have you received that gift of grace? Do you know that your sins are forgiven because by faith you have trusted Christ? So if we go back to our Romans passage, one of the things is, 
one of the, the accordance of your faith, the measure is simply that you have, are part of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. And what that does is that, that shows we're all on level ground here. As Christians, there's not those who are better than or, or less than in the faith. We all share this common faith. You are just as loved. You are just as valued. You are just as important as the others who are in the faith because it's all by that measure in which God has given all of us this, this gift of, of faith through Jesus Christ. That's one way that this measure of faith. But if you look in the context of what we're looking at, it also seems to tell us that this measure of faith is an actual gift that he gives you an ability to have a part, to serve, to do something. The, the faith that he's distributed is when he equips you and he expects you to use what he's given you to help his body, to help others, to help the believers that you're in connection with. I, I'm a child. I'm equally loved by God. But now in this community of, of believers, there is something that he has given me, a measure of faith. And I can, I can go and evaluate how has God made me? What is the, the, the faith that he has given me to do within his family? If we get this right, Christians, then it kind of saves us from some uh, miscalculations in our life. For instance, as he mentioned here, some that would think that they're better than others. You know, that we would actually think, well, you know, I, I, I'd hate to say it, but I sure bring a lot to the table. You know, I, I, I've got a lot. To, I, the church will be good to have me. God must be very happy to have me. You know, do, I mean, I know you would never say that, but, but based off of, of how sometimes our evaluations are skewed and, and, and I have so much to offer and thinking ourselves, he says that re rethink that, okay? Renew your mind. That's not what, but here's what I've found. And I, I think that all, most of you would agree that there's also sometimes the opposite issue that Christians have. Maybe not thinking higher than themselves, uh, than others, but thinking as if they have nothing to offer. Thinking in this defeated, inadequate, I don't really have, based on what those people do, why would I even try? I really have nothing to give. I don't know enough. I don't, I don't have enough to give. And, and both ways, what we're saying is if you find yourself uh, leaning towards arrogance, which I have more than others, or you find yourself saying, I really don't have anything. I'm just inadequate. I don't have much to give. Both need to renew your mind. Both need to rethink. Think about the fact that you have been made by God for a reason, on purpose, for a purpose. You're a child of the king, and he has given you a measure of faith to do what he has called you to do. He's distributed it to each of you. And, and let me just make sure you get that again, to each of you. And again, he's talking to this body, this church of believers, this church that you would have been able to visit in Rome, this, this gathering, this congregation of believers. And that's where he, in, in so many places, he takes this picture of how he's made you, what he's made you to do. And he says, and I, I've put you in a church to exhibit that, to, to put you in a body of believers, the church of Rome. And you go through the New Testament. There are churches in Corinth and Galatia and Ephesus and Smyrna and Philadelphia. There, there, there's these places you could go there. You could visit them on any given Sunday much like you could Calvary Baptist Church. It's a matter of a, a location, a, a group of believers that God has gathered. And he says, and I have put you there, a measure of faith given to each of you within this, this congregation, this gathering of, of believers. And he's saying, I, I, I want you to know how important that is. So I need you to rethink, I need you to renew your minds. And to help you do that, he gives us a, an analogy. 
a word picture, one that we're very familiar with. Look at verse number four again. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's painting a very clear picture for us. It's interesting. Two weeks in a row now we've heard that word body. Verse number one, we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, which in my impression makes that very practical. It's the idea of this worship is not just something we talk about in you know, kind of mystical terms with the church. It's very practical. Give your body, give your life, give your schedule, give your, uh, your hands, your feet. It's all, that's your act of worship, giving it all to God. Well, now he's using the body again, but now he's trying to make something understandable, something that we can get a, a picture of, and it's this relationship that we have that God has given you something to serve, and he's given you a place to serve it with, and that was within his body, within the congregation of his, his believers. And so it's got very obvious, obvious connotations because we understand what the body does. Okay, some of you are more more astute to the body, your nurses, doctors, whatever. Most of us may not understand all the science of how the body works, but it's really not that difficult. I got a lot of pieces, and somehow they all work together when the brain tells them what to do, right? It's kind of, just to summarize it, a lot of pieces do a lot of things based on what the head tells you to do. You see, that's what Paul is trying to say. That's what we are as God's people. He's given us this measure of faith, and he's given us a place to exhibit it within his body. And so he takes all these many parts, and Jesus, being the head, then tells the parts what to do, and they're able to do some amazing things together. That's the body that God says he has formed. First Corinthians, Paul talks a big part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about this body. He says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, so there's our picture. Got many parts, but it's all one body. And, and the head tells the body where to go, and they all coordinate to, to get things done. But what's interesting, that next verse, verse 15, it kind of starts a, a pattern of Scripture. And I, to me, it's one of the most humorous passages of Scripture in all the, all the, script, in all the Bible. It's kind of a satire that Paul writes. Starting in verse 15, he said, if the foot should say, now that should get your attention because the foot doesn't talk, but he's got this picture, he's painting this satire of, of our bodies. What if your body went on revolt? What if your body parts decided to, to stage a coup, stage a revolution, right? Some of you are saying that's every morning when I try to get out of bed, you know, my body revolts, my back, my knees. I get that. But let's, let's just take the picture here. He says the, the foot, and we're going to see different body parts talking to the other parts. And, and the, the hand seems to get the bad part of all this. But that's interesting. He says, what if the foot, what, what if your foot says to your hand, hey, hand, I'm not as important as you. You know, people just walk on me. I kind of stink, you know. So I'm not as important as you, so I'm really not a part of the body. It's absurd, right? Well, he goes on later. He says, what if the eye? Now, the eye, that's the one everybody sees the eye. Everybody loves the eyes. They're so beautiful, and they, have, and they see, they do so many things. What if the eye then says to the hand, hand, I'm, I'm more important than you. Uh, we really don't need you in the body. It's a ridiculous analogy, isn't it? Just a ridiculous, but do you see the picture here? 
Do you recognize that you, as a follower of Christ, are a member of the body? You might be a foot, might be a hand, an eye, an ear, but you're a part of the body. And for anyone to say that my part is either more important than yours or not as important or not needed makes no sense. We're a part of the body, and God has put us there to do. In fact, verse 18, look what it says. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. When he puts you within a body of believers, within a church, that's not your choice. That's God's choice. I said earlier, I thank God when he, for the people that he's put in our church because do you realize that when God brings someone to, our, to our, our body, our congregation, it's because there's a work that he wants to do, and he says, this person can help you do that because I'm going to help them to, as a part of the body to help this. That's how important each one of you are is God has specifically placed the parts in the body as he wanted them to be. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Christians, would you hear that again? You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Which takes us back to our opening verse, Romans 12, verse 5. In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Not only do we need connection because that's how we grow, we, we need to exercise this connection and it's working because we belong to each other. I, I'm not just on my own. I belong to you. You belong to me. And our body parts need each other to be what God has called us to be as his body. So the second thought is we need to renew our minds by willingly cooperating with the body. By recognizing, I, I take my, in my mind, I recognize I am a part of a body and now it's Am I going to cooperate with that? Am I, am I going to, to be what the body, what the part has been made to be for the rest of the body, willingly cooperating? And so then in Romans chapter 12, he gives a specific example of how that works. What does it mean for me to willingly cooperate with the body? Look at verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. When it comes to belonging to all the other parts of the body, it's about each, each part of the body has a function and a specific way to do that function and it's a way that God has designed for you to do it. And it's that important that you do what your part of the body was intended to do. But notice how he says it. Look at that phrase. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, the word gifts there is a word we would say charisma. That's where the word comes from. Now, when we say in English charisma, we often think of somebody energetic, right? You know, uh, my, in the dictionary, charisma has my wife's picture beside it. I just believe that, okay? Just energetic, just kind of woohoo, right? That's okay. okay, that's a nice way of, but this word charisma actually means an ability. Uh, in, in, by context, specifically, it's a God-given ability to serve the community of Christ in a particular way. God has given each of his members of his body, each part of the body, a specific gift. Again, this is an ability, but it's not 
not even just a normal ability. All of us were born with some abilities. Yours may be uh, the way you think or the way you do numbers, maybe the way you can work with your hands, the way that you, you that, that's all fantastic. That too is God-given, given to you at your birth and it's something that you develop over time. But this is, this is even beyond that. At the point of your new birth, when you come into to Christ and the spirit becomes a part of your life, he gives you an ability that comes from God, a supernatural ability to do something to help the body be what it's supposed to be. God gives each of us a gift to help do what God has called us to do. Look at the seven that he listed. I want you to think about them for a minute. He lists prophecy and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leading and showing mercy. Now, this is just a personal observation, and you, you can take it for what it's worth, but when I see that list, and, and there are other lists in Scripture, a couple others that, that show different numbers of, of gifts, different names, and, and I don't think there's any necessarily exhaustive list, but I see some categories here, and, and what I see most of all is all of these seven things are really things that we should be doing to some degree in all of our lives. You say, well, wait a second, prophesy? Okay, by simple definition, the word prophecy means to proclaim truth. All of us should be proclaiming truth, right? The, you say, well, I'm not a teacher, so I te- teaching, by definition here, means to explain truth, which all, which all of us then should be able to take what we've learned and be able to explain at least a little bit to someone. You say, well, I'm not a leader. That's not me. Well, leading... Again, simply means to care for those under you. That's what, so should we not be caring for one another? So you know, what I'm seeing here, for one thing, is there is a, there's a category in which all of these things should be growing in our lives. However, what he's telling us is that one of these things, or maybe a combination of these things, are things that God will supernaturally empower in your life as a follower of his to do to help the body. The body needs these things, but it needs some people who are specialists in these areas that are, by God, given the ability to do this to help the body to be what it is called to be. And so each of us have one of these gifts. In fact, Paul said earlier, remember he said, according to grace that was given to me, That was his apostleship. That was his function. That was his role within the church. Look what he says to us in Ephesians chapter 4. Us, besides himself, he says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Each one of you, as a believer, has been given this ability of grace to do as God has designed. In fact, you go on to a couple of verses later, and he says that Christ himself gave to the church uh, the pastors and teachers, and he, he gave the, the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, and he says, to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. You have been given a grace gift to be able to help the body be what God has called it to be, to build up the body. Each one of us has been given a gift to help his particular body. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same spirit that distributes them. If you have the spirit, the spirit has given each of us a gift according to his design. Verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. It's not for your benefit. It's for the benefit of the, of the whole body. And the last says, and all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. You have been given a gift to serve the body. The Spirit has designed what it is to be. It's for the common good of all. The point is that all of you have a gift if you're part of Christ's family. Now use it. That's the point. 
The question is not, am I gifted? Do I have any abilities that God... That's not the question. The Spirit has done that. The question is, am I using the gifts God has given me to serve the body the way he designed? Let's go back to our list of seven again. Kind of general categories, I believe, but specifically... Let's just walk through because I think somewhere in these seven, you're going to find something that God has given you that for, to do, that the Spirit has given. Let's start with the word prophesying. We talked about that a minute. There are different definitions of prophesying, but the basic, the basic understanding is to proclaim truth. Sometimes it was given in a future sense. Sometimes it was just in daily life, but it's proclaiming truth. So maybe you're the kind of person that you're, you're, you're not, not only are you not afraid, you, you kind of are fulfilled when you're, you're speaking truth and you're maybe defending your faith or you're, you're, you're sharing your faith in a way that is, you're kind of, you don't mind that. That's something that, that helps to fulfill you. So maybe that's your gift. I have this gift of, to prophesy, to proclaim truth. So what are you supposed to do? If you have the gift of prophecy, what do you do? Somebody tell me. Prophesy. Can you all say that together? Prophesy. You have the gift of prophecy, then Prophesy. Does that make sense? Okay, we'll look at the next one. He says, how about serving? Again, we're all called to be servants. Jesus gave us that example, serve one another. But there are some who seem to have this kind of a specific gift, kind of a behind-the-scenes person that just loves to come along and help someone get something done. Even this word serving is the word we get our word deacon from. So it could even be a, a position in the church of, of helping to, to make, take care of the needs of others. But it's something that you find that you're good at and you're fulfilled at. So here's the thing. Help me with this. If you have the gift of serving, what should you do? Serve. Does that make sense? Well, let's keep walking through it. Look at the next one. He says teaching. Again, maybe you don't consider yourself a teacher, but, uh, but all of us should be teaching to some degree. But let's... A teaching gift would be one that you like, to, you like to study, you like to learn the truth, you like to be able then to help others know it, and, and you want to make sure people, uh, as best you can, you try to keep them away from error, and you try to keep them on the right path. You're, you're teaching. Okay, so answer my question. If you have the gift of teaching, what should you do? <laughs> you're all starting to figure it out. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Keep looking at this. Encouraging. You like people to encourage you, Right? Uh, encouraging is the same word we talk about, to beg, to plead. It literally means to come alongside someone and help them. Some of you, that's, that's really your wheelhouse. You, you just have this way of coming along. Maybe somebody's about ready to quit, and you just put your arm around them and encourage them. Or maybe they're just going through a rough time, and you encourage Or maybe they're starting to veer off the path, and you come and encourage them to stay on it, right? That's encouragement. And so if you have the gift of encouragement, what should you do? Oh, I lost you. If you have the gift of encouragement, what should you do? Encourage. Uh, if you have the gift of giving, a giving again, something we all should do, supporting the ministry of the church, helping others in need, that's something that all the body is to do. But some of you have this gift of, of being able to sometimes even handle money better so that you're able to give stronger. And he says, when you do, give it, give generously. So I have a question. If you have the gift of giving, what should you be doing? Give. Look at lead. Leading does mean caring for others, but it literally means there's maybe someone under you in a position, or maybe you just have this way that as you go, people just kind of follow you, and you have this, or maybe you have administrative gifts of, of being able in leadership to put things together and to organize it. You know that that's you. So if you have the gift of leading, what should you do? And last, showing mercy. Again, all of us should be caring and showing mercy, but some of you are just specifically sensitive when people are hurting. 
you're able to come along someone who's had a loss or someone who's, who's struggling and, and that mercy just kind of flows out from you. That's just the gift that you have. So if you have the gift of showing mercy, what should you do? D- does that all make sense? You see what Paul's point is? You have a gift. Use it. In fact, the ESV translates this verse this way. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. You have a gift, use it. God has put you in the body, cooperate by using the gift God has. Now, those seven words that we have, I don't think those are necessarily job descriptions. They they, they might be. They're not necessarily this. is. it's, It's the way in which God uses you. All of the ministries you saw on our screen earlier needs every one of those gifts within the ministry. The ministries, whether it's first impressions or inreach or, or the, the cert team, everyone, they need, they need a leader that administrates. They need a, someone, a, a truth speaker. They need someone who can teach others how to do what they need to do. They need some people to encourage. Every one of those needs those gifts. So here's the point. You have one of those gifts. Somewhere that it's needed within this church, find one of those. Go to the coordinator and say, how can, here's what I do well. That's what I know God wants me to do. How could you use that in that ministry? And the point is this. You have a gift. And here's what our last thought is. Renew your mind by using your gifts to serve the body. You have a gift. You have a, probably a combination of those gifts, something that God helps you to do. Then are you using it? Where could you use it within God's body? We said earlier there's no Lone Ranger Christians. We're all supposed to be growing and working. That's how we do this together. So we need to connect. But I will also say there is no spectator no bench warmer Christians in the, in the scheme of God's work. We all have a gift that we're to be using within the body to help it be what God has called it to be. So God has called you. You have a gift, an ability to do it. So in the words of Nike, just do it, right? Just do what God has called us to do. First Peter chapter 4. Each of you, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You have a gift of grace, use it. Use what God has called you. He says if you speak, if God calls you to speak, then do it like you're speaking from God. If God's called you to serve, then serve with his strength. And then I love this last part, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. The ultimate goal, yes, it is to strengthen the church. Yes, it is to use the gift God has given you. The ultimate goal is to bring praise and glory to Jesus Christ. He has made you to serve, so ultimately he is glorified. So let's step back and look about what we've learned so far. A couple of things we're going to hear today, and we'll tap on them in the next couple of weeks, is we come to this transformed life in community. We need each other. The body is that important. And the reason being is I cannot fully renew my mind without help from other believers. You and I both mutually need help. I need some people to speak truth into me. I need some people on different days to encourage me. I'll need someone to help knock off the rough edges of my life, maybe to, to things when I get angry and so forth and I, I need to work through it and someone there to help me so that I can learn to forgive and to be forgiven. And all. I, I need that in my life and so do you. We need each other and we're never gonna grow to the place we need to be without help from one another in this journey. The transformed life happens 
in community. But I want to add one, one last thing. My participation in a local church will help others grow. Yes, it, is, it helps me in my maturity, but God says, I put you there to help build up the body, to help others grow. I've given you a gift so that others can be benefited, to help the body be what it needs to be, to become what God has called it to be. So the question is, are you follower of Christ, part of the body of Christ, currently using what God has given you to participate, to serve, to help build up his body? A couple questions as we wrap up. One is always so important, and I want to make sure you hear this clearly. We've talked a lot to people who are already followers of Christ, but the most important question you'll answer today is this. Have I received the gift of eternal life that God gave me through his son, Jesus Christ? Are you confident of the fact that there's been a point in your life when you recognized as a sinner you needed a savior and you trusted Christ to save you? You believed in him, as we said, you put your faith in him and you became one of his. When you self-evaluate, honest evaluation, you realize there's something missing. And maybe you've been trying to fill it with a lot of stuff and a lot of effort and trying, but ultimately what you need is salvation through Jesus Christ. Have you received that? Would you receive that if you haven't today? Make, make that the decision of your day to receive Christ as Savior. Second question comes to this. If you have received, you know you're one of his, then are you currently cooperating with the body by using your gift or your gifts to serve the body, to help the body be what it's called to be? I mean, maybe it's even as simple as one of the steps on, the, on your sheet is to, to contact one of those coordinators and say, here's, here's what I, 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 I want to be a part, here's what I can do, or here's, what, uh, here's my time, whatever, I want to be a part. How can I help in your particular ministry? What is it that God has gifted you to do and called you to do, and are you doing it? Here's what I'd just say, Christians. I'll just wrap up what we've talked about in three very simple phrases. And the first is honest evaluate, honestly evaluate. Secondly, willingly cooperate. And third, actively participate. Today, let's, let's honestly evaluate who we are, how God has made us, and then am I willing, knowing that now, to cooperate with the body and to be what the body needs by using my gifts to serve the body? Would you bow your heads with me, please? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, give you a moment to consider what God is saying to us and kind of repeat it back in your mind. The answer to that first question is so critical right now whether you're here in this audience with me or you're watching us online, has there been a point when you received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? That you knew as a sinner you needed a Savior and you received Christ. Have you done that? If not, would you do that even right now? Just from your heart, say, God, I, I understand. I, I'm a sinner and I don't deserve your gift, but I thank you that you died and rose again for me. Please forgive me, save me. I'll follow you with, with my life. Would you call out to him today? Christians, are you using what God has given you to build up the body the way that he's called you to? See, within the body, if, if our parts aren't being used, then 
the body's not functioning to its total capacity? Are you doing what God has called you to do so that the body from your area is working as hard as God has intended it to do? Father, I thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for being so clear, so plain. You've given us a gift. Now we need to use it. And I pray that you'll help us as a part of your family, a part of your body, to cooperate fully and let you use what you've called us to do. And not, Lord, I believe when we do that, this body can do amazing, amazing things together. So help us, God. And Lord, if there's one in the sound of my voice who has yet to receive Christ as Savior, may this be the day they step across that line of faith and they say, Jesus, save me. I will follow you. God, please draw them to yourself today. Our heads stay bowed and eyes closed for a moment and you just take some time and speak to the Lord about what he said to you today. If you have questions, if you'd like more information, even about knowing Christ, please please see me. If you're watching online, you can private message me or put it on your connection card. I'd love to have this conversation with you. But let's today take what God has said to us. Let's pray it back to him. I'll give you a moment just to do that this morning.